Welcome to Sword and Shield, the official podcast of the 960th Cyberspace Wing. Join us for insight, knowledge, mentorship, and some fun as we discuss relevant topics in and around our wing. Please understand that the views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of the U.S. Air Force nor the Air Force Reserve, and no endorsement of any particular person or business is ever intended. Welcome to another episode of the Sword and Shield. Uh, I am Chief Master Sergeant Christopher Howard, 960th Cyber Operations Group Superintendent, and with me today I have... Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Steve Jetlaw, the commander of the 42nd Cyberspace Operations Squadron. Chief Michael Cole Jimenez, Superintendent, 42nd Cyber Operations Squadron. And Senior Enlisted Leader. Oh, yes, yeah, Senior Enlisted Leader in a couple days. Yeah. Uh, as well as Lieutenant Colonel Jeremiah Flerschinger, Director of Operations and Jack of All Trades for the 42nd COS, uh, which, as I understand, is your favorite squadron at Scott Air Force Base. Maybe yes. a little. Well, definitely uh, the my favorite 960th COG unit at Scott Air Force Base, for sure. Hands down, whole, wholeheartedly. Yes, sir. Well, gentlemen, I really do appreciate you taking some time today to discuss uh, the 42nd uh, with our, our listeners. You know, we've interacted a number of times over the last year, two years, and uh, every time we talk, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed uh, with what you guys do every day. So um, I'd really love you guys to just open up the doors and let our listeners know a little bit about your unit. So, you know, can you explain to the gladiators out there, what does your unit do? Well, basically, we're U.S. Cybercom's arm uh, into, on, and through the Air Force networks and systems under F-Cyber. So we have the Air Force Reserve's first and only defensive cyber protection team, uh, or at least we provide forces for three cyber protection teams through our total force association uh, with the 835th Cyber Operations Squadron. Uh, but we conduct threat-focused intelligence-driven, uh, hunt, clear, enable, hardening, and assess missions. And that's done both deployed and in garrison, depending on upon the exact details of where we're going and what we need to look at. Okay. So from a layman's perspective, what does that really look like? You guys are that forward-reaching arm, right, that goes through the network? Correct. We, we put sensors uh, on partner networks, and we hunt the networks to look for bad, characterize threat vectors that Intel thinks may be there, identify vulnerabilities within the systems, report on whatever it is we happen to find and give recommendations to fix. Okay. So you guys are the detectives and, and some of the security all mixed into one then. Correct. And it's not all back from here in Garrison. You know, we have a mini warehouse filled with Pelican cases and racks of our weapon system that we will pack up if we don't already have our, our hooks somewhere into whatever system we're looking at that we can build out across the world, drop in in nodes so that we can get the best view of what's going on and do a little bit of forensics. Right. And for the geekier ones out there, um, you guys uh, are the reserves only uh, CPT, correct? Yes. Yeah. Could so you we, guys... we man... Uh, the CPTs, we we work with A35th to man 853, 854, and 855 CPTs. So that gives us a good range of different missions we can go on. Uh, 853 has a focus on ICS SCADA, 854 out there on cloud, 
where we we mainly man as a as kind of a jack of all trades, going out to all different kinds of networks. So we get a nice range. Um, but anything that comes down to an Air Force focused CPT, us partnered with A three five get to go out on those missions. Okay. So a lot of individuals don't understand what a CPT is. Um, they've heard things like CPT, MDT. Uh, can you help me describe that to our listeners? What the difference is between like a CPT and an MBT by chance? Well, uh, a CPT, it's a U.S. Cybercom construct uh, where we have a planning team, uh, we have a a leadership team, and we have three mission elements underneath that. Typically, two are only activated, at least within the Air Force, at a time. But they have individuals that are specialized on the actual nodes and systems and computers, as well as individuals specialized in network traffic and the operations related to that. We're, we're a little bit of the heavy hit hitters as opposed to uh, the MDTs. So the CPTs, if, if there's a nine line that goes up, uh, they'll be called in to look at a problem that the MDTs couldn't solve or you know local cyber operators couldn't look at to see if there's a bad guy in there, if there's some sort of a threat vector going on. Uh, the MDTs, uh, that's more of focused against other weapon systems, uh, capabilities within other MAGCOMs. So you might have a uh, mission defense team that is focused focused on a specific airframe. So, you know, maybe KC-135, you have a team that focuses on that and all the systems that touch the aircraft and are used for the sorties for that aircraft. Those mission defense teams would be the cyber defenders specifically for that. Okay, right. So they're like more of a the guards are sitting around the, let's say, an F-16 on a on a flight line um, versus uh, you, which is more of a strike team. Yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. I think CPTs are a little bit more mobile. We right. can go to different mission sets. So we're not focused in on one, as Colonel Florchinger described. An MDT is assigned to a wing, and therefore that wing's mission. And so they just focus on however that wing wants to use them, where we take our orders um, from Cybercom down through AF Cyber, and we can work on, we're in particular focused on Air Force networks. There are CPTs that are focused on Doden networks at a higher level, and therefore any agency that falls under JFHQ Doden. And then you have CPTs that are focused on OCOM missions. So there's a Transcom one. There's about to be a Cybercom CPT. Okay. We're focused on Air Force terrain. So things like air operation centers, missile defense systems, uh, ICS data, like we were talking about. Okay. Kind of, or being called in when uh, when they, uh, there's a difficult problem or a, a special situation, um, especially with exterior threat. So an MDT is very focused on its mission, knows its terrain very well, and ideally will be able to work in concert with them because we have uh, more intel resources and broader access to hey, what the threat environment looks like as it's converging on their mission set. And we do partner with the mission defense teams when we go out the door. Because no one should know the terrain that uh, we're going to operate in better than that MDT, because that should be their their day in, day out life. Uh, so we'll go out, we'll interview them early on in a mission, get an idea of what kind of space we're operating in. Uh, and then as we operate in that space, we'll bring the MDT along and kind of hone their skills a little bit more, get them a little bit more familiar with the tools. Okay, Awesome. I mean, all of that just really encompasses a lot of work and a lot of experience and uh, some very important work there. So what AFSCs do you guys use uh, in your unit to get after that work? 
Uh, we have 17 Sierra cyber ops officers, one Bravos for cyber ops. Uh, we have three Deltas. They're uh, cyber support, but th there are network techs and our maintainers. So they maintain our weapon system. So if, if you're looking in a kind of a flight construct, the 17 Sierras and one Bravos are the ones that fly the planes, but the, uh, the three Deltas are the ones that work on the plane and make sure it's there and ready to go wherever we're deploying to. Uh, we also have one ends. So Intel, they're the ones that kind of drive everything. Uh, that's a huge refocus of how we do work uh, to have Intel on the front end identifying threats that are most likely and have the highest impact and then getting those enemy COAs to everyone else to kind of drive what TTPs we use on a mission. Okay, awesome. Um, when we start breaking that down, right, we know that uh, those three deltas are going to go to one delta sevens, but currently what three delta AFSCs specifically do you guys have? We have primarily 3D1s in the cyber transport area. Uh, we have 3D052s, sysadmins, uh, and then we have the 3D053s doing the cyber surety piece. Honestly, here, to be yeah, completely frank about it, the, the AFSCs bleed together. They all okay. end up Regardless of their tech school or what their, their specific AFSC is, they end up learning the weapon system and being primarily focused on maintenance. And that's one reason we're trying to transition more to that 3D1 career field, that 3D1 X2. Okay. That way we can at least keep the same flavor and the same upbringing. We're going to see how that works with this 1 Delta 7 transition and see if we can't use that kind of to our advantage to, to bleed together there. But we do have the three different flavors of 3 Delta currently transitioning towards the 1. Okay. And I will say that the three deltas do a lot of normal, I, I will say, network analysis type mission as well. We have three deltas go down. We have some right now down at the schoolhouse doing initial qualification training so they can go out and do a very similar mission to the one Bravo 4 network analyst position as well. Okay. And, uh, you know, we also know that there's different uh, flavors or different uh, shred outs for the one ends as well, that Intel side. So what kind of Intel airmen are you looking for? On the Intel, we're completely one and zero. Okay. We do a lot of the, the briefing, report writing, and backend analysis. As Colonel Clerchinger kind of alluded to, there's been a huge shift over the last couple of years in that upfront research and making sure that where we're going has an Intel threat associated with it, and that's driving the mission. Right. A lot of that's happening partnered with our Intel bodies get grouped in with the active duty at a group level. 567th group has an Intel cell that is pulling this Intel together, and we play a major role within that. But when we get on a mission, they're digging down into what the adversary's TTPs are and really guiding the the ECOAs or the, the areas that our analysts are going to be looking at and driving that mission and where it's going. No, makes sense, right? So, yeah, when you look at that terrain, that intel uh, is is key to success, right? When we look at this domain and we look how um, the environment sits out there, not having clear information from intel, not having a good idea of what things look like, or even driving back to your guys' conversation about how the MDTs understand what that landscape is and then providing that intel, all of that together um, leads to that success for that CPT, correct? Very much so. Um, originally, it was almost, well, it seems like previously it was almost like go out into a country and find things. Whereas now with a little bit more of an intel focus, it's, you know, go into this town, look for a red Ford. It's probably on a road or in a garage. So that's a <laughs> huge difference. Yeah, we used to have a morale patch here. I still wear it occasionally that basically is just a person screaming, saying cyber all the things because that's what it used to be when we'd get missions, they would say, just go to this base and look for something bad with 
very little specific. And now we have much clearer intel that's telling us specifics of an adversary, the type of adversary, and then what their typical go-to TTTs are. Gotcha. No, it makes sense. It makes completely sense. So with uh, now kind of moving forward, when we talk about uh, your unit specifically, uh, what does the day in a life look like for your uh, your members there at the 42nd? Well, it kind of depends, um, depending upon what sort of status you're in currently. Uh, we are broken into functional flights, though. Uh, that's something we did in about the last year. So we have host cyber operators. We have network cyber operators. We have Intel. We have the maintenance and network techs, uh, as well as training and an operations flight. The operations flight, uh, it, has, it has a crew of members that are rotationally matrixed from the other flights uh, with the intent to mobilize, to sustain whatever year-round taskings we have. Uh, the other flights, they conduct training plan, they develop and conduct training plans uh, to mature the trade trade craft and the uh, the TTPs we have. Other than that, we're kind of looking at UTAs. We, we've done a huge shift, obviously, to virtual UTAs, and we found a lot of benefits from that. Uh, a lot more flexibility and being able to set up computer networks and enclaves and simulators that seem to run better or more easily off the AFNET than on. Uh, okay. And I think we've got enough of a good standard uh, battle rhythm going between these that we get lots of heavier training that we did previously during UTAs. Th those are primarily readiness and continuation training focused though. Gotcha. But yeah, that flexibility is key, right? Having a little bit of flexibility allows to maximize your training time, uh, helps maximize uh, usage of TR's time. Um, and all of that comes into play with uh, good morale, right? Absolutely. I, we, we saw this past year, lots of feedback with morale increasing exponentially from what it was in the past. Awesome. Uh, we would like to have more in-person events just so we can see people face-to-face -face more than we have. Because uh, there are some people that I've seen their names time and time again, uh, but they came in into the unit post-COVID. I came in like a couple months beforehand and individuals I've never seen their faces. So it's a little disheartening for that. Impacts morale slightly, but uh, we're looking at next month and the month after that having quite a few people in. Awesome. Yeah, uh, no, I can completely relate. You know, when we look at how we've uh, pushed more towards virtual with uh, everything going on in the world, uh, it does uh, challenge that interaction and being able to kind of uh, work together as a team. But it, you guys have definitely made that work virtually for the training uh, and keeping the mission forward. So congratulations to you there. Um, when it comes to the, the interpersonal piece, I think we all as airmen um, are kind of uh, reeling back from some of those uh, deficiencies, but I, I, I am hopeful that in the future that things will get better. Uh, that's for sure. So, you know, going back into the morale piece and kind of uh, bringing all that together, uh, what do you as a unit specifically do to develop your members, right? We're talking uh, mission-wise and uh, just career-wise as an airman. Yeah, so definitely two different ways to tackle that. So on the career side, you know, we try to make sure to monitor members as they've been here for a while. So we're hitting about that five-year mark. So we have some members who have been either AGRs before and been on mission for a while, and, and then a mix of obviously new members going through training. So what we try to do is make sure we have a good pipeline for them through the squadron. So if they come in and they do host analysts or network analysts, that from a technical standpoint, we're moving them maybe between the two or making them go up in tiers. So from Cybercom level, there's a basic senior and master level operator. So you want to make sure they're advancing in that pipeline. Or if after a while they've reached that senior level and they want to try on the network side um, or the host side, depending on where they're at, they can move over. And then for those members that have been here for a while, 
that we're moving them up into instructor roles or stand eval roles and making sure that they progress and, and, and in doing so advance the unit because they're furthering those same things. I'd say from a professional development standpoint, uh, we're continuing to grow as a unit in the fact that we have our Rising Six Council and they're pretty active. They meet every single month. Uh, from the senior NCO standpoint, we're ingrained into the 835th mission and we still hold meetings on our UTA weekends. And we make sure that we are furthering uh, our senior NCOs from not just a TFA standpoint, but also they're on the UTA weekends and giving them opportunities to excel and leadership opportunities. And then we also have a career vectoring board, which uh, I'll give kudos to the 23rd. They originally had presented this idea, sent us some documentation, and we kind of formed it into here at the 42nd. So still in a best practice, a best practice from them. Yeah, I, I myself really like that. I've sat in on a few. We do kind of a records review for anyone that comes up for it. Uh, we look at their resume and we really, you know, get a feel for where they want to go next and look at possible shortcomings in their records and things they need to bolster. Because uh, a lot of it, you know, may not be obvious for someone who hasn't seen it before. So a little bit of mentoring there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. We give them that third party look, I guess you would say, where, you know, a leader gives them an ETR and a feedback session. But this is this is a broader look where people can look in and say, hey, if you're really trying to go for that, you need to add in some of these you know, group or wing level activities and things and, and vector them in, in a good way and point them in the direction that they want to go. And then it helps us as leadership because we now know where members are going, wanting to go and not treating every individual as just this blanket cookie cutter program. We know if they want to be a first sergeant, we can vector them this way or if they're you know, aiming for commissioning that we, we can take that into account when we're doing unit activities. And then we've also grown to where we're doing flight-based um, professional development. So not only engaging at the wing and the group with the, the professional development council, but we also have professional development happening at the flight level. And that gives us a good variety. So we're, we're giving airmen and NCOs a chance to lead and to put those together. And it can be based on topics that they do in their civilian life or just something that they're passionate about, if it's finance or investing, topics like that. And it, what we found is that's really opened up the aperture of the, you know, the leadership training that we're doing and the professional development that we're doing on UTA weekends. Because then we let other flights, if you want to go to some other flights, professional development training, they can go to that. So trying to hit it on multiple fronts very engaged on the volunteer efforts. We're engaged with a nonprofit called CyberUp, and we do a lot of mentoring in the in the local community through that program and different programs that we use. So I'd also say it's all not structured uh, and all not very, uh, very strict. I'd say it's a little bit more of our informal culture as well. One of my favorite professional development tools is actually our UTA tacos. So Saturday, UTA weekend, I guess at one point they actually had real tacos and sat around and ate them <laughs> and just talked about whatever problems. Uh, but now we have UTA virtual tacos where we all dial in on teams, get the camera up, you know, sit there with whatever your favorite beverages and tacos or burgers if you don't feel like tacos and just kind of chat about where you are, where you want to go, uh, things that you think would be great for the squadron as a whole. And even some more informal, what's the latest movie you watched or, you know. Yeah, that's, that's probably whatever probably a good large percentage of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. No, I mean, a, a holistic approach uh, to airman development, right? That's I think that's something that we miss sometimes is that uh, that interpersonal connection uh, goes a long way. And it doesn't always have to be very structured or based on a personal or professional goal. That, that, that human piece, that piece where 
um, you're building that rapport kind of goes to when that question does come up, that there's a degree of honesty and uh, truthfulness and, and uh, belief in one another that that kind of carries over from. So uh, kudos to you guys on that. That's awesome. You know, and it, it makes you makes you think that you guys have a lot of these different conversations of what airmen are looking for and you're kind of directing them in one direction or helping them find their way. Um, what do you see as the future of your unit then? A uh, big item, mobilization. Uh, we're looking at five to one dwells. So six, a six month period where people go out on mission uh, and then five, six month periods where they're trying to ramp their readiness back up and you know get a little bit of R&R and recess. That would align better to our active duty mission uh, partner where there is an ongoing annual campaign plan that we have to get at. But we think mobilization for us, or at least trying to frame ourselves in that manner, will add a, a lot of uh, a good solid foundation where, where we can meet that and contribute the mission. Besides that, we're looking at a new crew and crew position evals, trying to formalize that a little bit more than it has been. It's been continuously evolving and trying to improve our training. Uh, that's an ongoing process. It seems like you have to run ever so fast to stay right where you're at. Other than that, maturing TTPs, checklists. Yeah, I think I think if you look at where the unit's at, we're getting to that point. Our manning is getting to a level where we're getting more and more trained members. And so we can focus. We're hitting the ground running now. We're getting to that point where we're going to start being more focused on operations and getting more members into the mission where to this point, it's been very focused on hiring and training at that initial level. We still have some of that to do, but uh, if you look at a cybercom, cybercom level, this is a growth industry, if you will. And I expect to see it grow exponentially, even for us on the reserve side, that that need for reserve support on CPTs is just going to grow. Cybercom's adding 14 CPTs, I think is what I saw the latest number was, or at least that's okay. what they And so continuing to grow that mission, continuing to show that the reserves can be successful in this mission is going to take everything Colonel Flirtinger was just talking about, honing our training, getting our members focused on better training, and getting our civilian members who do this out in the commercial side to, to show what they can bring to that mission. And I think over the last year, we've been very successful with that. And it's just going to continue in the future now that they've I think now that Cybercom's gotten a little taste of what the reserves can bring to this fight, they're just wanting more of it. So Lots of by name requests for NPA for individuals with particular skill sets. Absolutely. And then as we find out more what those skill sets are, that's just going to grow. No, I fully agree. I think that there's a wide open field for uh, reserve citizen airmen uh, engaging in this mission set. And that, yeah, like I said, uh, the uh, environment is endless. It's only the demand's only going up uh, and the resources, uh, are already uh, tight and strained. So, yeah, uh, so, so right now it may be more maturing as opposed to growing, but the fact that we're getting more and more people that who have at least been through initial skills training, uh, it, it lessens the burden and has them where they're a little bit closer to hitting the ground running. And all of this, I think we're focused on trying to provide a fantastic environment for our airmen where they can come in, um, they can get some really good high-level training um, and then use it um, in, in predict, with predictable timing in really exciting missions um, and then go back to, hey, doing more of that high-value training and providing that training off to the next generation and, you know, building a bigger environment where we're pulling folks in from throughout the 960th and throughout Africa and sending those folks out as well to, uh, to really raise the level of our, our ability to, uh, to effectively affect the cyberspace operations. 
Roger that. No, awesome. Awesome, gentlemen. I really do appreciate uh, you guys sharing uh, all of this about the 42nd. Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners uh, as we close out this uh, podcast today, uh, Colonel Schiller? I'm just grateful for the opportunity to, to be here. And, and I do want folks to know that um, we're, we're as a unit, um, we're excited as we're moving forward to uh, really blazing new trails. And I think going where uh, the most exciting places that, that Africa Cyber is ready to go. And, and we're trying to make sure that we are carrying the flag for that. And so it's a great opportunity for our airmen to, to be at the forefront, um, to learn tons of good stuff, uh, to make a big impact, um, and to grow as people and as airmen. Awesome. Chief, you got anything to add? Uh, yeah, no, I second everything that the commander just said. I'd say when I got into cyber about 13 years ago, I had a leader that said, this is Billy Mitchell stuff that we were doing. And uh, I still feel that same fervor, if you will, right now. It feels like we are blazing new trails, doing awesome things. I'd say to anybody listening, if you're wanting to try a new mission, it is beautiful up here, especially coming October, November. And uh, trees are going to start turning soon. Yep. Starting to turn right now. It's beautiful. Come up, check out the unit. Glad to have anybody that wants to try to get in this mission, contact me, contact leadership here. And even if it's not the 42nd, I recommend everybody go look outside the norms of what you've been doing on mission over time. Try to expand that out, try new units, try new things and help us expand cyber, bring your experiences to other units. That has helped us grow over the last couple of years and is made for an exciting time here at the 42nd. So just appreciate your time today. Listen to our story and look forward to talking to people following this. Awesome. Colonel Fletcher? Yeah, I have to agree with all of that. Uh, we're always looking for good people with interesting, diverse backgrounds because it takes the perspective from all of those. Best thing we, best stuff we get is often from people from outside of the norm. I myself, I, I have a space intel and engineering background from active duty before I came over here. But it's, it's not just about us stealing all the talent. Yeah, we, we do want lots of talents. Uh, we, we do want people that are willing to take initiative and grow the unit stronger, but also we're looking for exchanges between squadrons and places that we can send people elsewhere for growth. So I've enjoyed the opportunities here. I, I think there's lots of good stuff going on and lots of good opportunities going forward. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen. Really do appreciate uh, everything you shared with our listeners today. Phenomenal. You guys are doing some great work up there. Exciting work. I look forward to seeing uh, how uh, you guys take this mission to the next step. Uh, gladiators, uh, thank you for your service. Thank you for your dedication. And thank you for being great airmen. Uh, remember, let's get after it, gladiators, and uh, stab our enemies in the face through cyberspace. Have a good day. <laughs> All right. Have a good one.